You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Alex Cartes explains why the presence of evil and suffering does not mean God does not exist. I told you before not to be shy while praising God, but I know it's hard. Some people think that it's probably natural for me to stand here and talk. But I also have to make always a bit of an effort. As I told you before, in Spanish it's much easier, believe me. But even when I do it in Spanish, it's like, you know, it's like, I guess it happens for everybody. I used to play soccer, and some people play other sport. When you go out on the field, it's always like, you are always a bit nervous. And as soon as the game starts, you relax a bit. So this is usually what happens to me. Now, we have been talking about different topics. And in life, you know, sometimes we have different questions, and we've been talking about hell, um, about why God doesn't answer prayer, why is Jesus the only way? And there are so many questions, but I decided to do in this series, just to answer, obviously, because it's four weeks, four different topics. And today, like the first time, is one of the hardest ones. And the title of this sermon is, If God, why suffering? If God exists, why is there suffering in the world? Because supposedly God is good. In history, we've seen terrible things happen. Auschwitz under the Germans, we saw people being killed there, and then we saw some other evils. I'm going to read the text first. I'm going to read the text then. Mortals born of women are a few days and full of trouble. Now, I want you to show me the pictures, please. When I was looking for pictures of outfits, I tried to put a soft one. And this is, even though there are people that are killed there, if you look at them, it's terrible. How many of you have watched the movie Schindler's List? And that, that movie is very, very, very much, is very close to reality. If you've seen documentaries in black and white, it is terrible. And the question for many people is, where is God? Where was God then? Then we see what happened in 9-11. Same thing. How many people died there? And then we saw the same in 2004, Panda Ache, in the Indian Ocean when there was this big tsunami. Thousands of people dead. So we see suffering in the world, some caused by nature, some people say it's God, some caused by human beings. And then the question is, why didn't God intervene? Isn't God good, powerful? And this is a very, very strong argument against Christianity. We'll try to talk about suffering, but I think we are going to be a bit short in explaining everything. You know why? Because I don't know everything, and you don't know everything. 
And I know that suffering can be explained philosophically. But for some of you, suffering at this moment is a hard reality. Maybe you have people you know, relatives you know, that are suffering, that are dying at this moment. And it's, it's tough. But when we come to this topic of suffering, I thought, well, we are going to look into a few things. There is an objective reality of evil. Okay, when we look around, we see evil around. There are several reasons to prove the existence of God. And we talked about them the other day. We can give a list of things. But when it comes to point out why people don't believe in God, there is always one strong argument, and it's evil and even suffering, because they are closely connected, evil and suffering. People say that because we see evil around us. But the question is, does evil disprove God? You know what? It doesn't. Evil is actually an argument for God. Why? Because when we look around and we see evil, do you see evil around? When you look around, around you, in this world, do you see evil? Evil is subjective. It's not something that we, is subjective. It's, okay, I, I think maybe there is evil in the world. No, we see evil around us, so it's subjective. But objective evil presupposes objective good. If you see evil, it's because you know what good is. Isn't that correct? But objective good requires God. Now, you wouldn't know what evil was unless you know what good is. Isn't that correct? Now, I said, if God doesn't exist, how do you know what is good and evil? We said the other day that this world, let's say God doesn't exist. Okay? So we are the product of randomness. We are an accident. And if we look around, what do we see in nature? Survival of the fittest. That's what we see. And that, in the animal kingdom, is this wrong? Is it wrong for the cheetah to, to kill the other animals? Tell me, is it wrong? They don't think about it. That's the way it is out there. Why do we think differently? Because we were created in the image of God. You see, C.S. Lewis, we always mention him, he struggled with evil, being an atheist, and he had an epiphany one day. And this is what he says in Mere Christianity. As an atheist, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? You see what he said? You see a line that is not straight. You say, ah, oh, this line is crooked. But how do you know? Because you know what straight is. And when we look around, if we say, oh, there is evil in the world, it's because we know what good is. And in order for, for that to be real and objective, 
we need a God. C.S. Lewis says something similar, okay? He said, he talked about shadows and sunshine. He said that the shadows prove the sunshine. In order to have shadows, what do you need? You need sunshine, okay? In other words, in order for you to have evil, you have to have good. You can have good without evil. Sunshine without shadows. It is possible, but you cannot have shadows without sunshine. So you cannot have evil without good. And God is the moral standard of good. So evil is a bad candidate as an argument against God. You see evil around? Okay. It doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. He exists. But why is there evil in the world? I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. But again, evil doesn't disprove God. But you see, there is something else when it comes to the way we think about suffering. We are limited. There are limits to our knowledge. How many of you came from overseas to live in this country? Okay. Some of you were little, but some of you were parents with little children. You see, and it's not only that, sometimes moving to another city can cause this. Parents make a decision, and for children, sometimes it's tough. You know why? Because if, if, if we are young and we are still thinking, we have our friends, we think that this is the worst suffering ever. My parents hate me. What are they doing this? I've got my friends. I'm happy here. I mean, my life is going to finish. There is no future for me. But most of the time when parents make these decisions, it's because of the good. I mean, they want to bring goodness to their children. They think it's a better move if we go to this country or to this city. But the children, kids, they don't understand at that time. So you see the analogy. If parent reasons are sometimes beyond what a child can fully grasp, why then should be surprised when some of God's reasons are beyond of what we can fully grasp? A lot of things we don't understand. Isaiah. 58, 8 and 9, says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you think God is great? Do you think God is great? Well, if God is as great as we claim he is, then sometimes not fully grasping what he intends to do or his reasons is exactly what we should expect. Don't you think so? Because his mind is bigger than ours. So sometimes we go through pain and suffering. And it's hard for us to get it. But he knows. He knows the reasons. And even in our lives, sometimes we have been through things that have been tough for us. And you can probably testify for this. 
But when you are on the other side, you look back and, and then see. It has happened to me. I don't know if this has happened to you. And then you see, okay, yep, that's the reason. Sometimes it's because God wants to work in you, forming your character, making you stronger. You probably felt useless here. But then when you go through these difficult times, you are on the other side. And you feel different. You feel better. You feel that you can help people going through the same situation. Isn't that true? God knows better than us. But the biggest one is free will. The biggest reason why there is suffering in this world is free will. You see, I talked the other day that our God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is a God of relationship. There is a strong relationship inside of God. And relationship is what God values above all. But for a relationship to be meaningful, it must be freely chosen. Okay? There is no point for me. Imagine my wife was a robot, and I can get home, press the button, and then she would say, hello, darling, how are you, to give me kisses. Is there any value in that? You don't want people to say, I love you just for the sake of saying it. You want that person to show it to you, you know? I love you, and also with actions. So for a relationship to be meaningful, as I said before, it must be freely chosen. If my relationship with my wife is important, that's why this is what marriage is. You know, it's a commitment, okay? I'm going to forget about all other girls, even though some of them could be beautiful or young or whatever. You are my wife, and I'm giving myself to you. That's an act of love, freely chosen. But for a relationship to be freely chosen, there is always a possibility of rejection. You know? And this happens especially when we are young. For guys chasing a, this girl, how many probably were chasing a girl, and then the girl would say, no, forget it. You know, I like you only as my friend. That's the worst thing you can hear. It's like hitting you in the face. As a friend. And someone said, you know, if you are close to a girl and if she's saying, oh, you know, I, I love you as a friend, get out of there. Forget about it. Okay? But you see, with free will, there is a possibility of rejection. And wherever there is a possibility of rejection, there is also the possibility of pain and suffering. And we see this in the garden. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God to walk with God, to be with him. And they rejected God in, over there. They listened to another voice and started doubting God. And then they sinned. Some people might say, oh, yes, small sin. It's just, you know, eating the fruit. So what? Well, from then on, everything went downward. And it happens with all of us. Temptation, doubt, disobedience, shame, hiding, finger pointing, 
suffering. And that's called the fall. And we are the product of that. And this is what we see around us. And you see, but from the beginning, God was a loving God, helping us, looking after us. What, what they did when they noticed that they were naked, they were always naked, but their eyes were open and they saw themselves, they were naked. What did they do? They looked for covering and they made themselves garments of leaves, fig leaves. You know, I'm a father and maybe I would have been a bit angry, angrier than God. I would have probably torn the fig leaf. Give me that thing. You're naked again. God didn't do that. The Bible tells us that he made garments of skin for Adam and Eve. But this is the most beautiful thing. It tells us that he clothed them. It's not that he threw the garments. Okay, cover yourself. He went there and covered them. Right from the beginning, God is showing us that he cares for us. It's his response for suffering is to say, I love you and I'm going to cover you, always. This is a love that refuses to give up on us. Even though we are free beings that can bring sufferings to others. You know, when people say that God is sad or suffers, some people might say, oh, this is not such a great God. Why is he suffering? What, what is he, you know, saying, oh, my heart aches. It's not because he is a tiny God or because he is insecure. He aches because of what we are missing in that relationship. He is not missing anything. He is complete. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is us. And when we are far away from God, we start hurting ourselves and hurting the ones around us. That's why the world is the way it is. The majority is because of us. Now, some people might say, now what it takes to be you, the previous one. Some people might say, okay, why didn't God make a different world? Why like this, okay? Would it be nice to be born in a world with less suffering or no suffering at all? We might say, shouldn't have God created a different world? You know, a world that was beautiful, not flawed like this one. But that is not the right question to ask. You know why? Because we rely on the assumption that it would be you and I in that world. I'll give you an example. And I mentioned this before because I talked about this long time ago. Some of you might remember. It was when we were here, sitting around in the early days. You know, it was in a very uh, casual manner. And I told this story. Not long ago, my mother told me when I went to Chile. And she said, you know, before I got married to your dad, I was engaged to another person. I said, Excuse me? I didn't know that story. And she said, yeah, I was engaged to another person. And um, 
everything was going well. We were going to get married. And then all of a sudden, she learned that someone else, another girl, was pregnant with a child from this guy. So obviously, she did that. Okay, so she sent him packing and said, no, sorry. And the guy said, no, no, look, that was a mistake, but I don't love that girl, I love you. She said, no, thank you very much. Off you go. If my mom had married that guy, maybe I wouldn't be tall. I would be short. Maybe I wouldn't have brown eyes, but probably blue eyes. Is what I think incorrect? What do you think? Is my thinking flawed? Why? It wouldn't be me. It would have been another person. But it wouldn't be me. So if God had created another world, it wouldn't be you. So do you think that you've been cheated by God for creating you in a world like this, where there is suffering and pain, but where you are offered eternal life? I don't think so. I don't feel like that. You see, changing anything changes everything and everyone. Now, we blame God sometimes for bringing us into this world, but, or making this world. But parents, we do this all the time. When people get married, what do they want to have? Children. Why do you want to have children? When you look around you and you see suffering and pain. Why? Your intention when you do that is to protect them, to give them the best you can do, to enjoy a relationship with you. That's what you want for them. And that's what God wants for us. I'm so happy to be here. Are you happy to be here? You see, this is the other thing. When we look about suffering in the world, we see, if we want to see suffering, we see suffering. What about happiness? Do you see happiness? <clears throat> Do you see joy? Have you had beautiful moments? You see, but we always look the gloomy aspect of life. But we were created here to have a relationship with God. But there is more. Now, I talked before about character, about how it's formed. You see, when we look through history, we see great lives of people living on this earth. And we have some examples here. You see, why we look at these people and think they are great? Because, for example, this guy here, Abraham Lincoln, what did he do that is important? Sorry? Okay, and this one here, he was a pacifist, okay? Same with that guy over there. And we can go on and on and on and on. But why do we look at their lives and what did they do this? Because there was something around them that shaped that life. And it was usually suffering. Maybe the one they were through or the suffering they saw around 
in the world, that made them to change the world. Now, if you take suffering and pain away from their lives, do you think we were being celebrating their lives? I don't think so. You see, and that's the thing. Life is tough, but here we are. You're still standing. You're still going. You see, and for some people, I know it's harder. But human beings, as I said before, we have been made in the image of God. And there is one beautiful thing about human beings, resilience. We are resilient. We can keep going because, again, we have the image of God in us. Now, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to say, you know, as I said before, why God didn't do this or that. But criticism without alternative is empty. It's empty. It's easy to say, oh, why God made this world? He should have made this and that one. But we don't know. This is the only world you know. But there is one beautiful thing, even in suffering we find this, is that there is a God who suffers with us. Nietzsche, the great German philosopher, an atheist, wrote this in a book called The Birth of Tragedy. The gods, this is, he's speaking about Greek mythology. The gods justified human life by living it themselves. The only satisfactory response to the problem of suffering ever invented. So he was praising Greek mythology because their gods were semi-human, you know, because they could understand our sufferings. But he was talking about myth, and I feel sorry for him. I think he was too biased to look at something different, to make the connection with Christ. Because we know that Christ is God incarnate. That is God coming to earth. He put on skin. He understands our pain. He understands the temptations we go through. He understands the human experience. You see, the night before his death, Jesus was in Gethsemane. And he was on his knees. And the Bible says that he felt overwhelmed with sorrow, even to death. If you are going through experience of deep depression, if you have this experience that, I don't know, I'm probably going to die, I have to tell you, Jesus is there with you. He understands your pain. He understands your sorrow. For some of you, if you are struggling with illness, God is going to heal you. But some of you, you are not going to be healed. But that doesn't mean that he is not with us. Because there is more coming from him. So there, is, there is no depth of agony and pain and helplessness that we experience in this life he doesn't understand. You see, in Buddhism, we said before, to reach divinity is precisely that, to move beyond 
pain and suffering. But only in Christ do we have a God who is loving enough to suffer with us. You see, the cross doesn't answer the question of why do we suffer. But it tells us that God cares. As I said, there are, it's difficult to answer everything. Because my mind is not that great and your mind is not that great. But God cares. But this is the most beautiful thing for a Christian. The last point, because this is important. You see, the way we see things, a matter of, of perspective, the challenge of suffering is a matter of how we see things, of perspective. It's important to understand that our current perspective, the way we see things, is not the final one, it's not the important one, it's not, it's not the real one, it's not the full perspective. Revelation 21.4 says this, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is called hope. People don't have that hope in this world. I don't believe in aliens, okay? I don't believe in aliens. But let's pretend I, there are aliens there. Imagine aliens watching a video of that. What do you see there? What is this? What is this? Come on. It's a baby being delivered, okay? Imagine they are watching a video in this delivery room. A woman is crying. It's, it's going crazy. People moving frantically from one side to another. And they move her this way. They inject something on her back, put her on the side. And then all of a sudden someone gets a hand inside her body and starts helping her and bringing something outside full of blood. And she's screaming. And then this little thing coming from inside starts crying, full of blood. She's covered in blood. The baby's covered in blood. And then some people rushing, taking this little creature away from her into another room. They might think, what's going on here? What have they done to that woman? What have they done to that thing, whatever it is? They don't have the full perspective. They don't understand. They wouldn't be able to see that the doctors are very caring, that they care for the mother extremely well. And in fact, they saved the baby's life. So you see, on the Christianity, understanding of reality, we are just currently on the few moments of life. Our life is going to be a life that's going to last forever. So wherever we're living on this earth, it's just a tiny, tiny, tiny perspective on what life is. God is outside and he's seeing something bigger and better. That is why he wants everybody to be saved, to experience real life with him in eternity.
is good. In this world we live in, full of pain and suffering, even when we are on our knees with tears, to have this God, that we can enjoy His presence, even if it is for a short period of time. Imagine enjoying God forever. And this is all because of that God loving us so much that He became flesh to live like us, but without sin, and to die for us, for our sins, even though He was sinless, and to be resurrected to a new life by His Father. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the first one, the first fruit of the resurrection. You and I are going to follow. The rationality of the Christian faith is not undermined by the existence of evil and suffering. But there is a big challenge. There is a big problem. But the problem the biggest problem about suffering is how are we going to deal with it? Regardless of whether someone believes or not in God, this is the thing. How are we going to deal with pain and suffering? British philosopher Bertrand Russell wondered how anyone could talk about God, he said, while kneeling at the bed of a dying child. How can you Talk about God, kneeling at the bed of a dying child, he said. But another Christian philosopher gave him a response. And he said, Why, what is the atheist Bertrand Russell going to say at the bed of the dying child? Too bad? Tough luck? That's the way it goes? You see, this world's got nothing to offer. Each of us is going to deal maybe significant suffering in our lives. One day, each of us, we're going to face death. When suffering comes, when death comes, who will bear it with us? Who will see us through it? Jesus will. And we can trust that we are going to spend eternity with Him. And pain and suffering will be no more. Please, let's stand. Dear God, thank you very much. First of all, for this beautiful world you've made. The majority of what is happening in this world is because of us. are also happening. Earthquakes, tornadoes, people dying. And some things we don't understand. Why is this happening? I don't know. Do you care? I know you do. Because you send your own son to live like us and to die for us and to give us a hope and we know one day all our eyes are going to wipe them out 
and we are going to enjoy true life forever and ever. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.